When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good afternoon. This is Theo Henderson from We The Unhoused. Our show is about lifting the voices of unhoused people through various survival challenges that we face out here in the street, mainly from police, society, as well as our health and basically our, our livelihood. So today we're going to talk about vigilantism. But before we get launched into vigilantism, we're going to describe what vigilantism means. Uh, Webster's paraphrase definition means that there has to be an injustice done. Many people think of vigilantism as in the uh, a tone of Batman. He lost his parents at eight years old, so he prowls the streets and beating up on criminals. Uh, many of our society shares that same issue with unhoused people that we are criminals that should be beaten up on by ordinances, violence, as basically death threats and, and any of the like. It doesn't have to be violence, but it also could be a targeted campaign. Studies have long shown that unhoused people are much more likely to be victims of violent crime than housed people. But the LAPD doesn't specify or have specific records of vigilantes among the unhoused. Why is that? Partly because the unhoused are afraid of the cops because they are legislating it. In the past couple of years, there has been a dramatic uptick of violent crimes against unhoused individuals from arson, harassment, vandalism, stabbings, assault. I've had those. All of this has been on the rise against the unhoused. You may remember in August when an unhoused resident encampment was set on fire by two men, including the son of a local Chamber of Commerce president. That was an intentional vigilante attack and a murder attempt in Eagle Ark. One of the most important ones that is all over the world is Henrique Zilda Harik, who was shot for asking for 32 cents that was out here um, shot by a house resident for asking panhandling. So today we're going to talk to several people about their own experiences battling vigilantism. Today we will hear from Harvey. Harvey is a resident from El Pueblo, Chinatown. He's right near the Mary Garcetti's 45 uh, unhoused into homes, which is still a, a joke. 
And he has been unhoused for over 10 years, and he basically has dealt with unhoused vigilantism for a long time. He's a veteran at it. And we'll hear from several people in the Echo Park and the lake. And our prominent guest is Freddie from Echo Park, who was almost killed when an M-80 was thrown in his tent. Dr. King has stated this is very, very true. We may all come from different boats, but we're all in the same boat now. And unhoused people, despite our diversity of reasons we became unhoused, we share the same thing. We've been harassed by unhoused vigilantism. I've covered different uh, guests, for example, Freddie, because his is the most prominent and extreme. And the lack of police response to it, unless after public outcry, in a way, to force the police to come to in interview him prompted a lukewarm response. I, too, have had uh, different attacks, as well as the people at Echo Park by the lake. The many times why it is not reported is unhoused people are afraid of police because they're coming with a gun and stick on their hip, and they are usually telling them to turn down their tits or face arrest or face death. So there is why... It's not reported as very uh, substantive. The police community policing is only set for business improvement district who calls and sends up a 30 minute meeting on why an unhoused person should be in their community. Um, I'm thinking of George Hughes business improvement district meeting that's heavily attended by park rangers, LAPD, prosecutors and that kind of thing. And he launches this reason as an occupational hazard, but he fails to realize the occupational hazard is has death. Uh, lethal measures for unhoused residents. So how much of an occupational hazard when he drives off into his expensive home where we have to fend for our lives for just surviving and just being unhoused? One thing in common with vigilantism is that the believer that perpetuate this violence is they believe that they are right in it. And they believe that they have the authority to do this and the support of the city, the police, and anyone that feels that their cause is just. So today we're going to interview a survivor and get his intake on his experiences. Without further ado, let me welcome you to Freddie. Hello, Freddie. Hello. Um Thank you for having me here, and I'm very humbled for being here. Let's start off a little bit easy, uh, with some light-hearted questions. How did you become unhoused? Well, my wife passed away one year ago, and we shared all expenses, and from then on, it went to a downward spiral. So, how, I'm very sorry to hear about the passing of your wife. Uh, has it been easy to be able to survive out here with the loss of your wife? At first, no. Now it's, I don't want to say I'm getting used to it because I don't want to be used to it, um, but it, it's getting better. It's getting much better. Uh, I get to know people now and, and they help me out a lot. There's always a silver lining. How long have you been unhoused? Four months, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, what was your first time like when you became unhoused? Not knowing what's going to happen. Um, a little bit scared, but not fearful of anything really. Just scared what's going to happen to myself and my two cats. What can you tell someone that is about on the verge of being unhoused? What would you give? What text, techniques or tactics to use? Before it ever happens, try to get some type of um, connection with um, 
people who help out with the homeless uh, organizations that help them out to get housing before they even step onto the street. And there's some possibility that they can uh, get into the list rather quickly. What are some things that you think that people misunderstand about unhoused people? Oh, wow, that's a good one. And yes, I'll elaborate on that one. We're generalized as criminals, we're generalized as drug addicts, we're generalized as alcoholics and all the above. We're not all that. We're, 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 a lot of us are decent people. We just fell on hard times. I have a creative question, so bear with me. Sure. If you could have a billboard with anything on it about being unhoused on it, what would it be? What would the billboard say? What would the billboard say? I'm human, treat me with dignity and respect, please. How helpful are the police when you were attacked? Uh, let's talk, first let's take a step back. Let's talk about the time that you were attacked uh, with the vigilante. So tell us, take your time. Um, I was reading a book, a hardcover book at that. Uh, the newspaper said it was softcover, and it was actually hardcover. Um, something that they told me to rearrange my previous tent, which was a much bigger one than one I have now, thanks to Jed. Um, and something told me rearrange it, make it more ample for you and your two two um, furry kids. And um, I was trying to go to sleep by reading a book. My youngest cat, she had made like a space for my perfectly for my head. My other one was in a milk crate that I just picked up on the street somewhere so I could make a bed for them. It was rather comfortable for them. And I would sleep with my head on the side where the M80 was thrown that night. Previous to that, I heard a V8 engine revving up, and within seconds of it taking off, the explosion hit. Um, I don't know what would happen, but for sure, if it wasn't M80, Hopefully it was, wasn't anything bigger. Uh, it could have killed me, for one, and that would have been the best case scenario. And people are gonna say, what do you mean? I could have wound up a vegetable. I could have wound up quadriplegic. I'm blind for life. Half my face torn out. Uh, deaf, or all the above in a combination. So do I believe this was against me? Not in the least, no. I believe it was against the homeless or any homeless? Hell yes. I, that sounds like a very uh, scary time. Um, what, how, did you contact the police about this? Somebody contacted them for me. I believe it was the fire department. Um, as you asked before, did they do much? On a scale of one to 10, I'll give them maybe barely a five. Uh, why, why do you give them a five? Oh, black and white did show up. And they told me that uh, a detective would come the next day, mind you, to uh, take a report from me. Well, I waited four to five days after. They didn't show up, so I started trying to get back into my daily groove. And I, want, I, I do Postmates to so get some survival money for myself, right? And I went on a run, on a delivery, and um, Sure enough, wouldn't you know it? They left me a card on my, on my tent. I called them immediately so they can come back either that same day or within the next two days, which would be 48 hours, because the cameras around here only have a, 
a five-day lifespan of memory. Well, this was about three weeks ago, and I'm still waiting. That's that's horrible, and that's saddening. Can you give us a brief uh, instance on what your tent looked like, and uh, why did you choose a tent? Why didn't you just choose a sleeping bed roll? Okay, uh, reason being, I chose a tent because I have two cats. I don't want them running into traffic and getting killed. Okay, they're, they're actually my emotional support animals. I have paperwork for them. Uh, my tent, my tent was a big one. It was given to me for my birthday. It was a surprise. It was a beautiful tent, big for four people. And the night it happened, the night it was blown up, I left a three and a half foot wide diameter hole. Probably the M80 that was thrown at my tent. Uh, as I said before, I'm very lucky my head wasn't that end when it usually was. Has the vigilante attacks affect uh, how you sleep or any of your change of habits? Absolutely. Can you give explain it? Sure. To this day, every time I hear uh, an, a V8 engine revving up, it startles me. And, and I open up all the, um, the, all the openings so I can see who's around. If I hear footsteps too close to my tent, which I I do, but when I see the shadows staying too long around my tent, it startles me also. So do I, do I believe I might have some PTSD? Hell yes. Okay, uh, that's very uh, very good question. One of my other questions I have about your tent is, did you choose to stay in Echo Park for a certain reason, or why did you choose Echo Park? Actually, at the opposite end of the tunnel where I'm staying, I used to be the manager with my late wife. So, it's like a connection. And I, and I actually do enjoy Echo Park as it is now. It used to be a very dangerous spot, and now it's... Aside from all... The violence against homeless people—it's a great place. Uh, you, you, you were a manager. Where were your manager of? Apartment building, uh, right at the end of the tunnel. So, what happened to get you to come out of the street? I know one day you didn't look out at Echo Park and says, having a lovely building, and says, "I'm going to become homeless and live out in a tent and get thrown of a grenade grown at him." I was evicted, to, to tell the truth. Plus, I uh, had a fallout with the owners. Uh, I wasn't paid for 15 months, and I really, legally, I can't get too much more into that. So that's what happened there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, vigilant, most people that come into living and unhoused, they usually stay in the area that they are familiar with or they used to reside. Conversely, that's why I stay in Chinatown. I used to reside there before I was evicted. It's not a very, uh, uh, most of the unhoused people stay in their areas that they are comfortable with and have built a community with. So is this true to you as well? Yes, it is, absolutely true. Yeah. So again, this is an issue about unhoused experience and vigilante attacks. So when we talk about a vigilante attacks, most people look at the old Western idea Ideas, where there is this bad guy with this in, in black and the good guy wears white and he's coming in to save the day and gets the girl. But most
most often than not, most vigilantes are people that have houses, they have jobs, and they don't like unhoused people because they believe that they're eyesore or drug addicts or they're going to um, attack their children and they deserve and wonder why the police haven't put them in jail or moved them away. That's which prompts a lot of the Facebook groups and they next door applications and things of that nature to attack unhoused people. Um, what do you know about the ordinance of 4118? I'm no clue about it. Um, if that's the one where they're making homeless people look like second-rate criminals or second-rate citizens, then I know something about it, but not much. For the audience, the 4118 is an ordinance that's being discussed uh, by the city and been pushed by the mayor and the board of supervisors. And that ordinance is to criminalize people that live in their tents, near schools, daycares, uh, and anywhere they can't seek, sleep, or lie near any of these uh, bridges or tunnels and, this, and the like. And if you are caught with that, that you will be facing heavy legal penalties. So, so it is the one I know about that. Um, as I said, we're not second-rate citizens. I was born here in the United States. I even served my country for a short while. It wasn't much, but I served. I am a citizen. Okay, and for them, and for the rest of us to be treated, or for the homeless to be treated as criminals, that's just not right. It's not constitutional. Do you think this ordinance and such things like the mayor's care teams and the police uh, involvement in, with the vigilante attacks, because some of the groups that we have on Facebook, uh, you may not be aware or you may be aware, have police officers supporting some of the vigilante attacks. For example, uh, where the, a post where senior lead officer Sean Denisi was uh, supporting tacit quietly or subtly a individual throwing ice cubes at a homeless person and saying the evidence will melt and he just basically chuckled and laughed or where there's unhoused people are under tunnels to blow their horns and things like that. So what do you, how much do you think uh, 4118 will make vigilantism a bigger thing? Very much bigger. It's just gonna give them an unauthorized badge to do even more damage. Are you aware that the LAPD has, has are currently seeking volunteers to join up to patrol the areas like that? It doesn't surprise me. So here we are uh, today, and we're speaking with a Freddie at a, a, a cafe here at our studio to discuss about his experiences with vigilantism. Uh, I'm Theo Henderson with Chinatown Street Watch. I have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Do you know any of your other uh, friends or any have been uh, attacked as well? I know some of the people. I, I try not to know them too much uh, for certain reasons I'm not gonna mention. Uh, no, I haven't. Heard, I've only heard of one attack on another homeless person around here. I heard they were almost down, but they weren't. Uh, that's as far as it went, but that's far enough. I agree. So thank you for listening, uh, our listeners, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. That was my conversation with Freddie G, an unhoused resident of Echo Park. For the next segment of the show, I went to Echo Park near the lake to mix with several people and we had a roundtable discussion about their own experiences with vigilantism.
Good afternoon. This is Theo Henderson from Streetwatch Chinatown. Right now I'm in Echo Park getting the experiences that we have out here in the house. And we found out we have a lot in common. We are harassed down in Chinatown just like they're harassed here. So it seems like all of the police are doing working together to harass unhoused people. And in this studio today is a couple of new people, new friends of mine. I'm going to start off with their names. Hit it. Yeah, my name is Toddity, a.k.a. Todd Robert Miller. My name's Terrence. Mona. Zombie. Okay, this is my group of friends. So I'm going to go by the, uh, uh, do a group thing, and then I'm going to uh, break it down for an uh, individual thing. So I'm going to ask them some general questions. What is it like to be unhoused out here? Um, I try to look at it in a way that I can live wherever I want. And I will never have to actually have, hold myself responsible for anybody else. What is it like to be unhoused? I got dropped here from a, a 5150 program with, through the government that was under a waiver program and they were charging $4,000 to just give me a fruit cocktail. And I realized how effed up it was. So I, I decided I'm, I'm going to break out. So I broke out and my friend Santino from Argentina just dropped me off here at the lake and said, Todd, it's all you. I'm, I'm done. What are you going to do? And I said, I have big plans. I started realigning my mind and thinking about my space that I have on this planet and looking at how I need to utilize this little area that somebody gave me and take care of it and utilize it to the utmost. I never would have done that if I'm fucking hanging out with my friend at the studio, fucking, excuse my language, all the fucking homies that are badass LBC rap and it's like, dude, can you just slow down for a second? So this ailment that I have called multiple sclerosis, 33 years, had made, made me slow down and just really realize and respect everything around me. That's it. So how did you become homeless, Mona? A domestic and I'm finding myself in Echo Park, unhealthy, very depressing, but um, I'm still surviving. Tell me one, how did you become homeless? Um, I've been on this street for a year. I just got kicked out of a family for stupid reasons and moved around so many times from Boston and came into LA to follow my dream. And we're getting there slowly but surely. Thank you guys. We all seem to have one thing in common. We all seem to be able to connect with one another and look out for each other. That's one thing I noticed in every unhoused plot spot. If you've gone to Lincoln Heights, you'll see it. You go to Chinatown, you go to uh, El Pueblo. We all seem to be a band together. So have you guys have heard about the vigilante attacks on unhoused people? Uh, so what are you guys thoughts on that? Uh, that they're targeting the wrong people. That's not what vigilantism is. It's finding a tyrannical aspect of anything that's tyrannical and getting rid of it through your own means. But they think that they are doing a good job or doing the things that the city won't do. They are engaging in violent acts, like, for example, throwing dog feces, setting tents on fire up the street. Freddie got his tent on fire with his girlfriend with a bomb. Um, you know, another guy had his thing set on fire. So what is your thoughts on that? That those aren't vigilantes. Those guys are terrorists. So two and two together. Yeah. So what do you think about that uh, vigilante attacks? Okay, I got a really good thing from a, a friend of mine that I met very first time I was here. His name is Robert. 
he introduced me to a guy named Paul who used to be on the LAPD and he goes Todd did anyone feed you any food lately and I said yeah I got the burrito it was like a really nice burrito and he goes don't fucking eat it they're coming around they're polluting food and they're, there's 14 people that have died here that have been getting handed food because they're killing people with food so it's like is that vigilante or is that just psych psychoticness what is that I mean it you can't just go to somebody that is a bit down and out and then be all badass by giving a taco that you know you poisoned. I think that's 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 heavy shit right there. The and it happens that all the time. The that is being unsafe. You know, to walk down the street or to walk to even to the restroom, you don't know what's going to happen because you don't know who's who. And you're just trying to be safe, you know, to keep a roof over your head, which is a tent. But, you know, you never know. Because people are burning tents down and people are walking the street. People and People are getting hit in the face with pizza boxes. Stabbed. Yeah. I got stabbed. So You yeah. know, so you never know. And, you know, all you want to do is just keep yourself safe. And yeah. these people out here, you know, they're just trying to run them up. So what is what are you uh, what is your thoughts on um, the vigilante attacks? I'm don't get hit in the face with the pizza box. <laughs> because they tend to hit you for no, no reason because they're... We're just innocent people trying to survive here, and there's people that are not trying to survive. They're just doing drugs, and they're messing it up for the people that are trying to take it from day to day. Okay, um, what I know also is on the pipeline is that what scared me, because when I first heard about it, um, I had had some vigilante attacks on me. And so I know it's freaking scary because I had a couple of them, this guy came up on me, started yelling and screaming about to attack me, and I had to arm defend myself. On several occasions, they've tried to, uh, they've been threat threats um, because of the sentiment around the park and where I'm at, and the crazy belief systems and accusations. So. Imagine my surprise that when I went on Facebook and I seen that the LAPD and uh, police officers are in agreement with these activities, like throwing uh, ice at people, uh, throwing a BB gun pellet, shooting them at uh, people's tents and things like that. What do you think about how they communicate uh, the connection with the LAPD and the vigilante terrorists? That it doesn't justify their actions just because they have a branch of government attached to them it doesn't make it any more right than what they see as it could be in their eyes which is not it's kind of idiotic to actually think something like that but also to actually have the government back up something like that is also equally idiotic well, I was at one of the city hall meetings and I heard myself that they had the same excuses and the same justifications as the vigilantes had. And that's very disturbing. I, and I was like frightened because like, are they giving these uh, vigilantes tips on how to do it to avoid prosecution? Or are they trying to wait, make ways to manufacture charges to criminalize them? What is your thoughts? I noticed in the last three months, and I'll make it as quick as I can, my brother, even once a certain prison released a lot of individuals that were lifers under a new law here in California, they get housing. I can't even get housing after 20 fucking five years with multiple sclerosis, and I got money. I can't find housing, and they get housing. Then they got bonds. They got people. They got people working for them 
and they all know who the cartels are. And there's like a lot of the Mexican mafia just got released. And now you walk around this park, it's graffitied every single day. It never used to be that way. Now, those graffiti artists, because I happen to know a few of them, they're not unhoused. These people have housed. Yes. I know most of them. So that's, but unfortunately, they have been painting that on the unhoused. These graffiti artists are consider themselves warriors in fighting against the system and the government. So let's not twist it. And the, the, the guys that are prisoned from... Uh, from prison are have a different issue themselves. They have to be uh, educated or have legal restrictions that they have to follow. So they can't be at parks and things. So they have to house them in order for the public don't have a uh, a riot because they don't. They little Becky and Sue think a criminal is in the in the midst. So what is your thoughts on the police being in support of vigilante attacks on unhoused people? I don't like the police. I stay away from them as much as I can. That's that's my motto. What is your thoughts, Mona, on uh, vigilantes against what the police support? They don't care about us. They just want us out. And they just want their quota so they could just make their tickets so they can make their money. They're not worried about our safety. They should be getting people that are actually killing people, not the people that are living on the ground on face ground. I certainly agree with that assessment because most of the unhoused people that I have had the uh, pleasure of talking to, they seem very nice people, they're very supportive of each other, and they look out for each other. And that's what all unhoused, also what people in communities do, whether they have a house or not. And I just wish as a society that we come to the term, come to the table and understanding to stop vilifying and criminalizing and dehumanizing judging and judging us as we are horrible people. You can be out here too. I am a college graduate and I'm out here because I got sick and I got evicted. These things are happening. They're elderly, the elderly lady that I've talked to, she's out here, she's not a drug addict. She, her rent was too expensive. So these things are very important to understand. You have to put the humanity back in, in our society, in, in our city and in our neighborhoods. Again, I'm Theo Henderson from Chinatown Street Watch. I'm here in Echo Park. Thank you for listening and may we all again meet in the light of understanding. Those were the voices of several of my friends who live in Echo Park and experience violence on a day-to-day -day basis and on a tiptoe stance simply because they are on, on house. Next, I talked to Harvey from El Pueblo, Chinatown, and he talks about how his issues of his time over here from 10 years of being unhoused, uh, uh, police are harassing them, sanitation workers, Lhasa, the city hall has basically have given license to unhoused vigilantism to come by and throw things and yell death threats and epithets at them. Without further ado, I'm going to start off and ask Harvey to give us some ex examples of the vigilantism attacks that he's experienced out here on the streets. Well, the ones that we've experienced out here is uh, people coming by here at the weed hours of the morning uh, and uh, screaming uh, or honking their horns or skidding all over the place, their tires. Uh, lately, there's been... A uh, couple of idiots that came by with these loud uh, mufflers uh, that mean they pop very loudly and it sounds like a gun in a way uh, and it echoes here in this area so uh, yeah we've been getting a lot of that lately um, and I don't know why the police hasn't uh, done anything about that 
Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, we, we've, we've experienced a lot of that, uh, these fools coming around here just bothering us uh, real late in the, uh, at night or early in the mornings uh, just because they want to. Which brings up a good question. It's like I have been thinking because I've been on the house and I know that it's been a very scary experience for me. What advice would you give to people that have just became unhoused and with the vigilanteism uptick and the promotion of it by the police and the city? What suggestions would you have for them to survive out here? Um, first thing, if you're new to the areas that you're going to be staying in, make sure you be friendly with the person that's there. Because if you're by yourself and, and you're gonna be living next to other people who are living on the streets, be friendly with them because you're gonna need them one day and they're gonna be there for you, just like you'll be there for them. Um, and um, another thing is that to prepare yourself, I mean, I know it's, it's hard to prepare a person when somebody comes by and either throws ice at your tent uh, or throws uh, a BBs, you know, with a BB gun at, at your tent. Um, it's, it, you know, it's going to startle you because it's going to happen in those type of hours. It's usually after midnight, but before 5 a.m. That's when we get the idiots out here. Um, so, yeah, they, you're going to have to get, you know, used to it and and see if how you can protect yourself. I, myself, protect myself with a knife and I have pepper spray. Very well uh, advice because you would need to have one thing I've learned as well on the street as well. I was almost attacked uh, out in Little Tokyo, and the, t the experience was I was sleeping at night, and there were three inebriated housed uh, white gentlemen were talking about to attack me while I was sleeping, and they thought I was sleeping. And at the time, uh, I, I'm a martial artist. I had my uh, halberd sword, and I was waiting for them to make the move. It looks like a, a, a long, oversized machete. And as soon as they approached uh, trying to attack, I pulled out the sword, and needless to say, they actually had several accidents that they were bodily functional accidents due to my uh, my my ranting and raving. Right. So it is important as as well as us as unhoused community to have a very bright eyed understanding. Will you feel that if someone came and as a vigilante attacked you, do you think you will get help by the police? Um, that's it's like a big question mark there because. If when we do call the police, even even when we call the paramedics out here, they don't always rush here like they do with regular people. OK, they don't. That never happens. It, it, there's always a delay and they always like to play it off that they couldn't find that person, even though you gave them specifics of where this person is at. Like what happened last night? I had to do that. There was somebody who was feeling sick uh, and I told him specifically where we were at. They ended up going and passing us up while we're screaming at them. And they were at the other end of the corner, at the end of the block, uh, that they ended, actually did turn around until finally I told them, oh, what, you guys are that stupid that you didn't see me waving at you guys? Okay, that, yeah, that's a problem. But as far as the cops showing up on time, no. I, I, I've experienced that the last time we've complained and we called the police, they, the longest that they've taken was two hours. 
that's I've run tracks with me when I got stabbed out there in the park. I uh, the ambulance came first, and that was after a 30-minute wait, and I almost died. So it's this is a common occurrence with unhoused people. We are not treated as full citizens, even though we're Americans, and we have the same constitutional rights as housed people. So I want the uh, the house community and people that want to help to understand that these are the travails and challenges that unhoused people go through. Right. Thank you again for speaking with us, Harvey. Thank you. And I hope that everybody listens to this podcast because you know what? This is going to be happening more often than not. And you're going to have to do something to protect yourself. Next is unhoused news. December 8th, there will be a memorial service for unhoused people at Boyle Heights Cemetery, along with others that have been not, bodies have not been claimed. In other news, Hilda Zarek, 32 years old, was shot twice for asking for 36 cents for some bread. In unhoused news, there was a death last week by the, of a gentleman by the name, a musician, a drummer by the name of Rodney. In addition to that, there was another musician, uh, Francie, uh, she passed away as well. Hyperthermia deaths are on the rise in Atlanta, resulting in 28 deaths after a Atlanta shelter closes. Will this be a trend that follows in Los Angeles, California? The cold weather shelters are open, but will it be sufficient enough to get all the unhoused? Bear in mind, most unhoused uh, shelters has restrictions on bulky items. Many of the unhoused that refuse the services are afraid of losing everything or having it taken or stolen or taken by the city and come back and starting over, which is one of the major reasons why unhoused people refuse services and shelters, not to mention the uh, burned out uh, unprofessionalism or the antagonistic nature some of the shelter staff members have. final thoughts somewhere in a room sitting on their social media is someone writing out hateful things about unhoused people and when they're done they're going to send it to some groups like next door facebook instagram twitter they're going to find like-minded people to galvanize to push against unhoused people's civil rights and their basic rights to humanity. And somewhere, this message will be sent to your city leaders who's afraid of if they speak out against this hateful hateful vigilantism that they will lose their chances at re-election. Advertising money, funds to launch other initiatives that they want that could help line their pockets or to make it seem like that they're tough on law and order. And somewhere, there are people that will sit in a school or sit nearby and watch unhoused people with disgust and call the police on them and say that they are an eyesore, that they are a threat to children. Some of them are City of Los Angeles employees. Some of them are uh, LAUSD employees. Some of them are just parents that are gentrifiers that just don't have the gumption or 
the intelligence to realize the humanity of unhoused people and understanding the repercussions that could follow when you do such things. Somewhere else in the Los Angeles police or any police station around the world, they have a hard line. They have a distaste and disgust for unhoused people. And they will push the campaign to these business owners that they are a problem that must be squashed. They fail in law and order. They are the problem. They don't want services. And you just give us the rain, let us have the reins, and we will unleash hell on these people and punch down hell. Even we will even kill them to support your quality of life. Ignoring the other's quality of life, like myself and others. And also, I want to point out somewhere else, sitting at home or going to church or getting ready for work, you will see unhoused people suffering. You will believe yourself to be a good person. You will believe yourself to be a taxpayer. You believe that there should be something done about the homeless crisis or the unhoused crisis or houselessness. And you will want to do something about it, but you don't know what to do. This is what this podcast is for, to let you find out a call to action on things that you can do. And you subscribe to our uh, Weasley Unhoused. We will keep you updated on our voices, not people like Steve Lopez, Drew Mitpensky, or the Board of Supervisors who listens to this hateful vitriol to get you ramped up to do harmful things. We will tell you how the way to best help us because after all, we're the ones that are surviving on the streets. The second thing I want to point out as my my final thought is the good people. I stated this in my first episode and I will state it again. Where are all of these good people to stand up against the rise of hate? This is a lot of hate that's been going on and it's been going on unabated for some time. I know that there are some that will look on social media and they will shake their head, you know, give an emoticon and move on. And then some has been more inspired now to start sharing it. I've noticed an uptick in that. Some will watch some of the episodes, but there is still more to be done for us as a community. Unhoused people are community members. They are human beings. They are not an eyesore. They don't choose to be fashionable, to sit there, to be harassed by the community and the police, let known uh, susceptible to early death, diseases, health challenges. There are people that have different challenges that we all have. There's just the difference is we don't have a shelter to put us under so that you would not see it. We're visible, but yet we're invisible in some respects, in some people's eyes. When you listen to We The Unhoused, I want you to bear in mind, what have I done to make the situation better for unhoused people as a whole? Because I can be unhoused. If I'm a part of a church or an organization that you know that does good things, ask some of the questions. What are we doing about the unhoused in our community? They exist here. Are we only just doing something for Christmas and Thanksgiving? Are we doing anything worldwide or year-round to help them? Chinatown community does not, as a whole, individually, I have been very, very blessed to help, but I'm never, it's not enough. The community as a whole has taken the lead of George Yu, executive director, and not doing anything. 
When I confronted the China Chinese Baptist Church, they proudly stated they don't have anything like it and they don't want to have anything like this. They don't look at the unhoused issue as a problem to be solved or helped or become uh, involved in. They feel it's an individual problem. You know, I, the next bowl of rice is very, very important for me. And only my salvation in Jesus Christ is going to, is going to be most important in the needs of unhoused people. I want to leave you with this thought for the ones that have different uh, paths in life. Dr. King stated this very eloquently, and I agree with it too. We may all come from different ships, but we all are in the same boat now. Capitalism, white supremacy, gentrification, these are just the buzzwords to a, a recipe of a hateful soup that is used to use the ingredients of fear, shame, and finger-whacking of poor people to keep our eye off of the large largesse of the minimal, the 1%. I want you to examine yourselves, and when you look on and listen to these podcasts in the future, to find out where do you find yourself into this? What part do I play in perpetuating the hateful rhetoric or the uplifting rhetoric and the uplifting actions to help unhoused people find their best selves. Thank you for listening. This is our episode of Weezy Unhoused. My name is Theo Henderson, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And please join us again next week when we tackle our new subject that deals with unhoused issues. This podcast has been successful due to the efforts and the vision of many people that have taken the time and effort to make this as successful as it is. I want to personally thank Jed Perot, Joanna Swan, Mokta, Tristan, I, Zin, Zakawia, Mario Correa, Taiji Makawara, Annie Shaw, John Trung, and many others that if the names escape me uh, for giving me the opportunity to try to be a voice for the unhoused in this community. And if you, I've forgotten your name, you know who you are and give me the opportunity next week to thank you for, thank you. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.